Let's go. Hello and welcome to the latest MSC Performance Podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by none other than Mr. Max Hartman. How are we doing, buddy? Back here again. Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Yeah, buzzing, mate. A couple of weeks to go. Weather's warming up a little bit. Sun's been poking out. Saying hello. Yeah. We're, I, got, I got my shorts on for the first time today. Really? Shorts are out. Wow. wow. I mean, it's, it's raining and it's eight degrees, mate. Um, but uh, I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> the keenness. Optimism, mate. Optimism. optimism. Exactly, exactly. But uh, God, yesterday was, uh, was lovely. That was the first day I had the shorts on. And uh, it felt, felt good, mate. I've been making some calf gains in the, uh, in the off-season. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're ready. We're ready. Um, how are you how are you feeling, mate, about the the sort of return? Obviously, two weeks away now. Buzzing, absolutely buzzing. I say, obviously, as you know, like I've, I, I'm lucky that I can do a little bit of work as it is, kind of being on the injury management side of things, having some people in clinic. So for me, it's been, you know, some level of routines there, but it's just not the same, is it? Like I say, when um, you know, when everyone's back in and when the gym's buzzing and when the gym's busy, it's it's awesome, isn't it? It's great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone again. It's going to be great, mate. Yeah, it feels like, for me, it feels like kind of opening for the first time again. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's been so it's been so long now. Like, or it feels it feels like it's been so long. I've lost lost track of the months really, but also been three three months. Um, so, I mean, the same amount of time as last summer, isn't it? But yeah. it, it does kind of feel like opening for the first time again. And I suppose with well, let's not tempt fate, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, this is the last one. It does feel like a reopening. Touch wood, touch wood. Yeah, but I yeah. think it's um obviously I, I don't want to. There's obviously some spoilers already out on social media, but obviously with a couple of new toys knocking around in the gym as well, I think it's going to feel like a new gym. Uh, you know, it's going to feel like a, a completely different offering. It's going to feel like a you know MSC Mark II, so to speak. Like there's there's been some big step up, big yeah. Step up, so I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be really good. Yeah, it's been some good upgrades uh, with the with the kit as in there, and I think obviously we're looking to uh, move things around a little bit and sort of change the, mm-hmm. the layout of the the gym. So all will be ready for that uh, that first day back. I think so. Yeah, happy days, exciting times. Um, so to to move on to um, the sort of subject of uh, of today's podcast, uh, the title is injury management on return to training. Um, so we're going to be referring a little bit to both in the gym and also from a kind of um, sporting point of view as well because Mm -hmm. with the government guidelines obviously there's going to be clubs um, returning to uh, returning to training Uh, so rugby clubs will be back uh, as as an example and sort of outdoors outdoor sports so all of a sudden you've got you know guys who have been in lockdown for a long time everyone you know you'll have you'll have some who've kept on top of things and some who've uh you know been uh been, been, been eating a few biscuits um so uh we'll <laughs> we'll see uh it's like that that meme that was going around with uh thor you've got the two thors you've got the one the one in incredible shape and then the one who like in that one where he lockdown thor lockdown thor where he just lets lockdown himself go thor. so there'll be there'll be a few sloppy rigs uh, on return, so uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see who's beyond being honest and who hasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, so as I say, the the, the main um, 
kind of chat uh, today will be based around that, guys. So um, obviously, no, no one better to have on board than uh, than Max for this podcast. Um, so yeah, obviously, mate, there's going to be um, a hell of a lot of excitement. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be people who haven't been to the gym for months um or they haven't run around on the rugby field for months and ha- you know the, the 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 temptation to go from zero to turbo in under three seconds is going to be oh very it's going to be, tem- yeah. be very yeah. very tempting you know you haven't seen a barbell for for three months or four months and you know the the temptation to to go a bit silly the temptation on the on the rugby pitch or whatever it is you know uh sorry yeah, I must, must apologise. The guys are always always using rugby as a reference, but that, that just comes naturally, obviously, because I, I play a bit. Um, oh, you've got that in there. <laughs> um, so, uh, how, how how do we how do we deal with that, mate? How do how how do you you know how would you advise people to manage avoiding going from zero to turbo? So there's there's there's, a, there's loads of different there's kind of different layers you can put on this and different spins you can put on it, but. Um, Sort of with injury management as you're training, you know, we're very much the same opinion that you know, your injury management and your kind of your essence of your training it's one and the same. If you're doing it well and you're integrating things properly, it's one and the same thing. So, um, you know, it's not just a question of coming back and saying, oh, I'm going to do more stretching. Uh, it's not just a question of saying you're going to do more like prehab stuff. Like, ultimately, like a lot of injuries happen because you do too much too soon after doing too little too long. That's a nice little quote there. That's a good, I like that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'll jot that down for the yeah, next Instagram post. Um, but, but yeah, too much too soon after too little too long. So like people people who have been massively sedentary suddenly, and it, and it kind of, without having to go too much into the science or the physiology behind it, it just intuitively, like pe- people understand that it's right. Like people understand that, you know, first time you go back to the gym and do a load of squats after a while, especially if you do either a load of squats or a load of weight when you squat like your legs are very very sore and yeah. um, it's as simple as that like whereas obviously if you're someone if you're again we keep going to the idea of like the power lifters or whatnot but, like they squat two three times a week chances are after most squat sessions they're not actually in any pain they're not actually getting any kind of leg bombs and if you take that to you know if you take that further if you kind of extrapolate that out um i know soreness isn't necessarily kind of always line up with muscle damage so to speak or soreness doesn't necessarily damage um, line up with inflammation exactly but like if you take that further and further and further if you do too much too soon like something goes pop basically and um, whether you're talking purely about training too hard coming in and, and uh you know doing doing your one rep max on a, on a deadlift whether you talk about going and playing 80 minutes of rugby on the first day back but whatever it is whatever your kind of arena is whether it's Again, like the rugby example is always there, but whether it's football, whether you're a marathon runner, whether you come and do metcons, whether you come and do barbell clubs, like you ease back in slowly. It stands to reason, you know, you don't want to be waddling out of the gym and not coming back for two weeks because you can't get out of bed. Yeah, 100%, mate. I'm going to, you know, um, sort of expand on that. And but first of all, sort of take it, take it right back to what you were saying about, you know, as we, as we both know, you know, injury management and S&C are, you know, are as 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 one, and it's you know, and um, one of one of the most exciting things when you know when when you came on board, um, you know, it was only a few months after we opened, wasn't it, or maybe a year after we opened, was you know that um, you know obviously my um, 
sort of you know early stage you know sports rehab knowledge is you know i have a working understanding but i'm not a sports therapist um but what i did know was that there needed to be more synergy in the industry generally um Mm. between 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 the treatment table and you know return to return to play and sort of filling in the gaps from you know um you know traditional physiotherapy of right let's stick the elbow in there let's do you know what what, whatever whatever it is to um you know to help with that sort of stage stage one stage two work but really you know it's getting guys back in the gym and strengthening them so they can absorb the forces required to you know for for whatever activity it is they're doing whether it's you know just general strength training powerlifting rugby you know getting strong enough to absorb the forces necessary so that you know, we're not back on the, on the treatment table. And I think that's just a huge development in the industry. I'm, I'm going off on a slight tangent here, but. No, 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 but it's, it's a worthwhile <laughs> tangent talking about like this. There's, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'll ruffle some feathers and I'll, and I'll kind of, I'll probably piss off an entire profession in one statement here. But like in general, I think considering physios are, you know, such a, don't get me wrong, like physiotherapists are excellent at what they do. Um, you know, like even like, like sports medicine doctors and, and orthopedic surgeons are very, very good at what they do. But on the whole, their their kind of formal education on exercise prescription is absolute garbage. Like, <laughs> if, if they have any, um, and don't get me wrong, like there there are there are good physiotherapists out there who will take an active knowledge, even just through their own training or from being in the right environments, um, who take an active knowledge in learning about F and T, whether it's just because they train themselves and they like to keep fit and they're someone that's always been a bit of a kind of gym bunny or whatnot. Um, or, or, you know, people, a common route is to go like a sports science undergrad and then do a full-time physio master's. And in my experience, like people that have gone down that route into physiotherapy make the best videos. Like they're one or two of the best, the best videos they've ever worked with. Do a sports science ma- uh, undergrad and then go on to a physio master's. Um, but it's, again, it's because otherwise you see so many times physios or sports therapists or osteos or whatnot that have only ever worked in a really, really clinical environment. As you say, like someone will come in with back pain, for example. Yeah. You know, they've, they've sat at a desk eight hours a day for the last 20 odd years. They, they don't know how to lift weights. Their movement quality and their movement tolerance and their movement capacity is terrible. And a physio will just ask, I'll just do some sports massage. I'll we'll just do some soft yeah. tissue work and then we'll teach you like yeah. the most basic pelvic tilt, stretch your hips out a little bit. And expect them to then be able to tolerate the demands of whether it's like actual physical training, whether it's just the demands of daily life. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't do enough. Well, that's um, it. It's a band, it's a band aid approach, isn't it? Often, you know, and I always say we're not, you know, there, there's some some very 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 good physios out there as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, that that's you know typically what you'd normally see in the industry is that band you know band-aid of like right okay we've got an injury let's 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 uh, mask that pain um mm-hmm. which is obviously great and makes you feel a bit better and then you go out there and it's like guess what happens you know you've not you've mm-hmm. not addressed you've not addressed the problem um you know uh, uh, at all you know i remember tearing a hamstring like in you know my very young rugby days and it's like do you play yeah, rugby, I do, do you? yeah i do yeah i do a bit yeah yeah i do a bit we'll, t- we'll talk about I'll, I'll list off uh i'll list list off the cv and uh list demons later but uh if we get time at the end um but like it, it was like exactly that that stage one you know physio um and then it was like right off you go and it's like it was weak as piss like the, you know, the, ham- the hamstring couldn't absorb you know couldn't absorb the the forces of the game 
um, mm. and and guess what? Got in, you know, got in, tore it again. Got pop again. Got yeah. tore, tore it and, again. Um, and it's like, um, yeah. Go on. Sorry, yeah, you go on. I'm interrupting you there. No, it was, yeah, I was just going to say, like, and that, that's, you know, that's just a really common, you know, common thing that you, you, you see. So getting guys back on, you know, into um, the gym before we go to the field is important. And I think it kind of, that sort of work serves a purpose. I think it's, I'll frame it in there. Like I have clients on the couch at MSC. Like I have clients that do soft tissue work. I do low level stuff. I do breathing work and whatnot. But if we look at it, again, like I use, I use the case of back pain. You know, if someone has, um, if someone gets back pain when they go like a long, when they spend a long time walking or when they try and pick something up on the floor, they can't lift weights without their back hurt and whatnot. Then, you know, the, the soft tissue work and, and the low level kind of, almost like Pilates esque like hip mobility drills, core control drills and the soft tissue. Like it, it fits a purpose in that a lot of the time it's what you should be doing, or in my opinion, how I work and what I feel is the right way based on all the evidence and the education I've had and practice and whatnot. Like that sort of stuff should can be used, um, but it should be used to get symptoms under control so that you can then go and load those structures. So like if you get pain deadlifting, right, okay, we're going to do some soft tissue work, we're going to stretch your hips, we're going to do some massage on your back, we're going to teach you to breathe and brace so that I can go out and get a barbell in your hand and you can go and strengthen your hips and your back. And that, that should be the, the process of how things move. Um, and, you know, depending on what people want to get back to and what people's idea of kind of function, I mean, again, like I hate the word functional, but sometimes it kind of it has to be used. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. But, you know, depending on what your idea of being functional is, um, you know your end point and your the complexity of your rehab is um is going to vary massively and again i always we always end up kind of having the example of like powerlifters or rugby players they're like so anytime i have a conversation with luke so we have we have some really good conversations but you know if if, if he's got a, a low grade muscle strain or something like that from, from squatting or deadlifting i always say like it's a really really easy rehab because um in theory, like I say, if you're someone who, who wants to go back to playing rugby, right, okay, we we'll get the pain under control with your, with your sports massage and stretching and whatnot. The first step is, right, okay, we need to get your back lifting weight. Once we get your, your back or your hamstring or whatever it is nice and strong, then we can start introducing jumping and landing. We can start reintroducing running, but we can just progressively build those layers and make it more complex. Whereas if you're a power lifter, which is a question of, right, okay, we'll just reduce the volume and intensity down low enough. Yeah. So you've got an entry point, you can start working again, and then you build up from there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think we're kind of talk- sorry, come on, come carry on. I'm saying we're, we're kind of talking about it in the scope of, um, you know, someone that's got back pain or people that are just coming back to the gym now. But ultimately, it always comes back to this idea that I, I, I drill with all of my clients all the time. It's kind of it's finding an appropriate entry point for loading. And like I say, if someone comes in with acute back pain, it might be that entry point is breathing drills and hip stretches. And then they go on to doing deadlifts with an empty barbell or they go on to doing practicing a hip hinge and an RDL with a broomstick. That might be their entry point because anything above that might cause them pain. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once we can get you doing a hip hinge, you just body weight, standing up, bending forward at the waist. Right, okay, let's do that with an empty barbell. Let's put two and a half kilo plates on. You know, before you know it, six weeks down the line, they're doing barbell body weight RDLs. Yeah. Um, but again, like that, that kind of process of progressively building load and progressively exposing people to work and, and strengthening, it just it kind of gets missed out. People say, right, okay, well, again, like physios and osteos in the classic sense of a clinical way, so they're right, okay, we'll do some soft tissue work. Does it hurt anymore? Right, off you go, see, see how it feels training. 
Yeah. Man, I love it. Love it. Um, it's yeah, the powerlifting and weightlifting one's interesting because I think, you know, a few years back or, well, still, still now very common, you know, when someone does pick up that niggle or whatever, it's like, oh God, I've got to, you know, I've got to stop lifting, <clears throat> you know, and then I've got to do, I've got to roll around on, you know, on the floor for 45 minutes doing, doing hip drills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. you know, and, um, I think, you know, for, for anyone, for anyone listening who has had, you know, injuries and, you know, even long-term injuries, um, and that happens and then they just have that early stage physio, um, or sometimes not even that, and then just wait, you know, there's, there's mm. amateur, amateur, you know, athletes out there who, you know, will tear at ACL and then just wait 12 months and then just go back to, back to, back to playing and, you know, try, you know, thinking, right, okay, I've just got to rest, let that heal and then go back and it's you like you're, go. you're, yeah. you're missing out like a huge important component you're missing the whole you're, you're you're missing the whole rehabilitation process you know just sitting around just waiting for it to heal it's not you know we we, mm-hmm. we know now through the last couple of decades of research that that's not that's not the, the the optimal way and then they're going back in and trying to play a sport or an activity or it can even be you know back in the gym you know this works with both both examples um you know and trying to you know thinking they're prepared to to take those forces and absorb those forces whether that's a heavy deadlift or whether that's playing Mm. a game of football and trying to change direction and it's like well you've got zero strength you know in 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 and around the joint you've got you know you've got no stability no no eccentric strength to absorb you know the, the the forces that you know, you're gonna gonna undertake. So I, I would or actually places on you. Exa- exactly. So it's like getting that, and that's again where the synergy comes in. Where it's like you you've got to be, you know, the, the strength and the strengthening is the rehabilitation process. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's, it's, it's all exactly one. that. And there's um there's, there's a, a really good quote. I know I've already given you one time, but there's another one where. You know, people kind of see in people's heads. They think of right. Okay, if I want to get better at performance, it's it's weightlifting, it's powerlifting, it's squats, it's deadlifts. If I want to, if I want to manage injury, it's stretching, it's foam rolling, it's mobility drills. Um, yeah. Whereas again, the, the the kind of first layer and like so this kind of entry point I always talk about people is right. Okay, well, regardless of what your end goal is, the the base foundation and the and the first part of injury management. Okay. We can't really progress. We shouldn't progress until we have this in there in some measure. Is push, pull, squat, hinge, carry. Uh, that that that's the, that's the first layer. Right? Can we get you to do all of those? If you're then someone whose idea of full function is right, I'm going to go and play football. Okay, maybe the the hinge becomes important because hamstring strains are going to be quite prevalent in the sport. Maybe the the squat should be a split squat because knee injuries are quite prevalent in your sport. They're like push pull push, pull, squat, hinge, carry, they're like the, the bases and we just kind of tweak the how often we do those, how hard we work on each of those, like the specifics, the techniques of what we use and where we put those in your week might vary depending on what your idea of full function is. Um, but that, that's the base layer. And if we don't have those in there, again, the, the other quote that is, is really, really good, you know, if we're just relying on, okay, we're just going to be doing like hamstring stretching, we're just going to be doing uh, thoracic mobility to try and make something more flexible overhead. Until you've got those those big basic patterns in there and a good basic strength training program in there, so you've got a good base layer of strength. 
tolerance in key muscle groups. All you're doing with mobility exercises, all you're doing with like corrective exercises and band drills, is you're trying to optimize a system that is inherently fragile in the first place. Yeah. So it's, it's all well and good trying to make things work better and trying to make things work efficiently. But if the actual output and the tolerance of the system and your body as a whole is really low, you can optimize it all you want. You're just not going to get much out of it. Yeah, it's like all You're not going to get any return on yeah. investment. Like, whereas, you know. Yeah, it's like I can get more, more extension in my T-spine. I can, I can, you know, get in the better position pressing overhead. Great. Like what, you're you still going to crumble no. like a paper bag if there's any force involved in that. Like, you know, you could you can get into a better position overhead, but you're not strong enough to actually hold the barbell over there. You're not strong enough if you're a rugby player. You're not strong enough to absorb the forces in the tackle. Fifteen stone bloke runs at your full pelt and you it hits you in your arm there. Your shoulder's still going to pop out because you've got no force behind it. So again, we have these basics in place, and and for most people actually, for the first couple of years of training, it's just a question of drilling those. You know, you, you cycle them in and out. It might be that they front squat for three months and they back squat for a few months and the hex bar for a few months. But like, okay, that's still them working on their squat pattern. Outside of that, realistically, like, again, like I said, if they're doing the sport with a lot of high-speed running, yes, they might need to do their Nordics. Yes, they might need to do like their, their calf raises and their ankle stiffness, maybe some jumps and some fires and whatnot. But again, it's all kind of details around what should be like the, the big main pillars, which is just good basic strength training. Um, and again, like I say, this kind of this idea of where injury management comes into it, where the injury focus comes into it, depending on what your current level of pain or disability or information is, we adjust your entry point into that. I say, if you're someone who's fully fit, has no issues whatsoever, and you've just been off the gym for a few months because it's been locked down, right? Okay, your entry point might be you're still going to back squat, you're still going to be someone who needs to do a low bar, you're still going to be wearing a belt and wearing lifting because you're at a good level of basic strength. But our entry point is just, okay, we're not maxing out on day one. You know, we're, yeah. we're taking it sensible with six and seven RPEs, that kind of thing. Whereas yeah. if someone comes in, they just have an ACL operation, their entry point might be a goblet squat and just learning to move their hips and bend their knee again. Yeah. Their entry point might be they're doing a split squat of body weight and just learning not to fall over. Yeah. Um, same with back pain again, like a, a power lifter with no issues, again, I don't think that exists, the powerlifter with no issues or injury history, but like, if, if they're coming back in the gym after lockdown, um, they're doing deadlifts, but they're doing it with a low weight or a relatively low RPE for them based on their training history. Whereas if you're someone that's had crippling back pain for months, your entry point to a deadlift is just learning how to hit pinch. You're holding a broomstick against your spine and learning how to keep it straight. Yeah. Um, but again, it just keeps coming back like you're not doing anything outside of what a proper strength training program should be. You're just dialing it up or down depending on where you're at. So you're getting your entry point and then you're using an appropriate rate of progression. So again, it's just, it, it's simple. You know, we need to be getting stronger and we're trying to drill these, these five kind of key patterns and, and, and improve them over time. Sometimes people are going to be really, really efficient movers. Sometimes they're going to have a really good base strength level. So you can be really aggressive with how you progress those and you can, you can add weight every week. You can push quite hard to the point where every four weeks you're hitting maybe heavy singles or doubles or triples or whatever it might be, depending on how you program. Whereas other people, you might need to be really, really slow and just add two kilos a week for the next three months. Good old progressive um, overload. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And like I said, it varies from individual to individual. And like I said, if you're someone who's got a good level of base strength, then it's a question of, okay, well, like we might need to optimize our system by adding in mobility sessions for you. We might need to add in some hip stretches so you can squat a little bit 
Um, but again, like I say, you can optimize the system and you can start adding in the classic kind of rehab exercises once you've got the basics in place. Um, but with, again, I think people, sorry, go on, mate. No, I was going to jump in and just say, like with the with what you've mentioned there with the, the five movements, you know, that's, that's both, both the, um, you know, we talk about the simplicity and the complexity of S and C. So the, the simplicity is that, we, you know, we can look at those five movements, you know, knee, you know, knee, um, you know, knee, hinge, push, pull, carry, you know, getting those, getting those five, five movements, right. And as you say, you know, pretty much everybody's going to be doing those movements, but the complexity, if you can call it that, and it's not really that complex, mm. um, is just like, say, you know, selecting that, that entry point. So it's like, and that, mm. that that's from a in injury rehabilitation, um, point of view, a return to play point of view. Um, but also from a, just generally getting back into the gym point of view, isn't it? Like say, mm. it's like, okay, you can, if you're a powerlifter, you can deadlift from day one when you come back that's fine but then it's just a case of like right that's my exercise selection and then in terms of uh monitoring you know uh volume and intensity then okay obviously german volume training 10 tens isn't going to be the best option doing a one rep max um it, you know is not the best option so my exercise selection is is cool that's fine i can go in at that at that point and then as you say from um from an injury point of view, it's like, right, my exercise selection, right, I need that deadlift type pattern, but I'm not ready for a deadlift because I've hurt my back. And like you say, it's like a hip, you know, let, let's get the broomstick, let's do some light um, RDL work or whatever, you know, whatever mm. it might might be. Um, so I just think that's really a really fascinating example of the, both the simplicity and the complexity of s yeah. It's like the simplicity yeah. is that, you know, me, you know, me and Luke talked about this a couple of weeks ago where it was like, you know, if me and him could quite easily, you know, train, train together, uh, in a, in a session, um, we've both got, you know, I mean, if we were squatting together, it'd be doing a lot more weight and the, the rack height might be a bit, bit of an issue, but, um, you know, we're both, you know, he, he might be uh, back squatting and I might be front squatting or, I might be doing a box squat, um, but we're both doing a squat pattern. Um, with a deadlift, he might be doing a conventional deadlift. I might be doing a trap bar deadlift. So again, you're just adjusting the pattern based on um, the desired outcome. And in his um, example, wanting to be, you know, a powerlifter, me, you know, with with the rugby. So it's like, you know, and, and with a with a bench press, we might both just bench press, or you know, I might do a floor press, or whatever it might be is actually quite, you know, a lot of similarity, like I say, getting those five, five points and, you know, and th those kind of five movement patterns and, and drilling those and getting strong. And then the complexity comes from like, you know, and complexity is probably not the right word, but you know, a little bit more um, sort of thinking is done on, right. What, like you say, what's the entry point? Let's look at, um, you know, injury, let's look at, um, sport or desired outcomes and goals um and let's also look at like what's the what's the base now and the guys coming back into the gym now the base probably is gonna you know you might have been keeping fit with bands and whatnot and do, doing the best you can maybe you've got a dumbbell or a kettlebell but you've got to just understand that base haven't you and then like i say day one we can deadlift but let's just manage the manage, manage the load mm. but yeah i just want exactly a, a good good exactly example that. But again, going back to kind of what you said about you know this this 
this typical kind of therapeutic stuff or injury management, people would think it's just a question of foam rolling and stretching and versus strength training. I think people kind of see the two as mutually exclusive. Yeah. And they say, right, okay, well, I can't deadlift because I've got a bad back. So what I do is I come in and stretch and foam roll for a bit and do some glute bridges and then I'm going to go and do bench and gym. Um, whereas actually, realistically, if we're, if we're really smart about it, then, okay, the session plan is you come in, you've got 10 or 15 minutes of, uh, of kind of mobility, foam rolling, stretching, all those kind of things, but they should be kind of quite specific to you and targeted to say, right, okay, well, your goal is if you've got, again, if we go back to the back injury, you need to be foam rolling, stretching, doing like activation or, or recruitment drills or whatever it is that get you to the point where you can do your chosen form of deadlifting or your chosen form of hip hinging. They should be there to, to, to reduce your symptoms enough that you can then load that and then load the areas um, or load the muscle groups that are going to move you forward for the long term. So again, yeah. your, your, your example of your hamstring strength, we know that stronger core, stronger lower back, stronger glutes, stronger hamstrings are what's going to minimize that injury risk over time. If you've got a tight or sore hamstring, especially like we need to roll, we need to stretch, and we need to do the work that's going to let you go through RDL, it's going to let you go through Nordic, and it's going to let you progress that for the next six weeks to rebuild and re-strengthen and rehab that hamstring. Yeah. Um, so again, like I say, it's a question of, these things aren't mutually exclusive, it's just a question of, like, okay, we need to learn how to put them together sequentially um, to build up your program so that actually over time you're building physical capacity, you're, you're not just coming in, doing foam rolling for six weeks in the hope that the hamstring pain goes away. But okay, we actually, we, we need to be using this, this strength training as a, as a means of, of building capacity, like I said, making sure the system as a whole, your body as a whole, is getting more and more robust over time. And again, like said, how, how you mix that up, I know you said it's kind of the complexity, it's the kind of, yeah, it's the art form of coaching, isn't it? Like I say, it's actually using your own experience and looking at someone and how they're moving them, right? Well, this person needs to do an RDL, not their death, but this person needs to do a snatch grip, or this person needs a hex bar, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just knowing how to blend those together to make sure they come in and they've got an hour to an hour and a half of work where they're working from warm-up mobility into their strength and power and, and, and doing everything that's kind of going to completely target all the areas that are completely relevant to them and their, their needs. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, doing doing your, your drills on the floor for 15 minutes and, you know, then integrating that into the relevant movement patterns and, and loading them accordingly. Mm. I think is essentially what we're looking at, yeah. Um, I think, like... Just to talk about kind of dosing those kind of volume, you know, the volume and intensity when we when we come back. Um, I think the, the 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 key thing is because the you know again look going back to sort of talking about entry point and entry level of of, of going back. Um, we talk about sort of weight training specifically at the moment, but this will also um, carry over to like field based and running based stuff. Um, is you know the important thing of getting back into the gym now is going to be identifying where we're at. Maybe we've had mm. uh, access to no equipment, minimal equipment, or maybe we've been fortunate had access to lots of equipment. Identifying that that kind of entry level, um, and then just just basically realizing how you know easy it's going to be to to create a stimulus and a stress. And therefore, mm. an adaptation. I think that's really important for people to to remember. Is like, 
you know, obviously with strength training, we, you know, a, a good strength and conditioning practitioner will always look for the, the minimal dosing mm. to produce the required outcome and the required adaptation. You know, we're not looking to like destroy ourselves and be sore for, you know, a week or two weeks afterwards. Um, you know, that's going to have a knock-on effect on, you know, frequency of training and the, the recovery and the rest of the things we're trying to do. But um, yeah, I just think that's a really important thing um for people to be aware of is that you know if the base level is quite low just enjoy those beginner gains again <laughs> yeah yeah don't, don't, treat, treat yourself like you're someone that's completely new to training treat, treat yourself um, you, know, you mentioned it briefly add, add two and a half kilos each week you know don't yeah. go don't go mad with the volume like if you haven't done any training coming and you know coming and hitting two sets of eight on six or seven different exercises for a few weeks and adding a couple of kilos or gradually adding a little bit of volume is gonna do the trick quite quite nicely. You're in a you're in a, a, a an unusual position where the the minimal dosing, which is what we're always looking for, or ge- generally speaking, you want to be aware of at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like that's gonna be like your base level's like down here. So don't go, you know, back up, you know, back up high to try and stimulate that. It's gonna be really easily to easy to stimulate, you know, to to create some stimulus. Exactly that, and it's um, almost on the flip side of that as well. Like it's going to be incredibly easy to make yourself very sore and very tired. Yeah. Um, so if nothing else, like I say, come in, do enough work to move around and, and sweat a little bit, and 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 just put a little bit of load through your body. But actually, like that's all we need. That's literally all we need. Like it's going to be it's going to be hard. Don't be wrong, because people are going to be so excited to come back in. People are going to want to use everything, and people are going to Gonna to want to come in and, and put a load of plates on the bar and say, right, well, I haven't used much weight in ages, so the first thing I want to do is use loads of weight. Um, yeah. But actually, it's a question of if you look at it the other way around, it's actually you're in a lucky position where you can get you can get a lot stronger now quite quickly from not having to work very hard at all. Um, and then you know, eight, ten, twelve, sixteen weeks down the line, when you start to plateau a little bit, you've still got the option then of saying, right, okay, now I can go heavier, or now I can do more volume, now I can get to the point where I want to do. If you really have to, you can go and do ten sets of ten. But like, <laughs> I mean, there's better, there's better things to do. Obviously, we both know that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's with young athletes or people who have who've never been in the gym before. It's the same kind of idea as as what experienced athletes coming back into the gym now should be thinking. You know, the less trained you are, the easier it is to to get an adaptation. The easier it is to force your body to adapt and improve and and, and get stronger, get bigger, whatever it is, get more powerful. Um, it's very, very easy to do that when you haven't had a stimulus for a long time, whereas you come straight back in, or if you're a 15-year-old that's never been to the gym before, and the first thing you do is start pulling one rep max in every week. You know, as you get older, by the time you get to 20, it's going to be so hard to progress because you, you've just used that sledgehammer of a stimulus from day one. Whereas, again, if you just come in now, easy stuff like you said two sets of eight six or seven different exercises you know you get six months down the line you've still got the option in your back pocket of saying right okay now i'm going to start using heavy training because i need it to force an overload i need it to get better because my body's gotten used to everything else play play the long game it was you know it comes back to that doesn't it play the long, play the long game. game don't don't try and uh on it i know there's going to be a bit of pressure pressure with summer approaching to uh to get shredders you know as quickly as possible but play play the long game honestly it's like you say to get to get that required minimum dose is going to be so so easy it's you know it's gonna mm. for, for 
you know, more experienced trainers is going to take you back to the glory days of, you know, exactly. of lifting lifting a bit of weight and, you know, putting a bit of mass on and, and getting stronger. Um, mm. You know, it's going to be those kind of beginner days of uh, add two and a half kilos again. Uh, enjoy it, embrace it, use it as an opportunity to use it as an opportunity to develop skill, you know, um, to, to develop technique. Mm. But from, from a, going back to kind of from an injury perspective as well, I'm, I'm going to have to speak in a massive broad sweeping generalization here, but like no one's ever gotten seriously injured doing two sets of 10 at a seven half year. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. Like, like pe- people hurt themselves doing stupid stuff. People hurt themselves when there's 90% plus weight on the bar. People hurt themselves when they're doing nine RPEs. People hurt themselves when they're doing 10 RPEs with failure, that kind of stuff. You know, you get overuse injuries. You get, whether you want to call it repetitive strain injuries, overuse, whatever you want to call it, tendinopathies. That happens when you do an excessive volume or intensity or both or some combination of both, um, or you're not recovering properly. Whereas like, pe- people don't piss things off when you're doing sensible stuff, moderate volume, moderate to low intensity. Um, and again, like why, why expose yourself to that risk um, when let's like, say you've just had however many months off the gym, four, five, six months off the gym. You can progress so easily doing not a huge amount and not really having to work very hard. Why expose yourself to the risk of, of injury? Why expose yourself to the risk of missing another couple of weeks or another couple of months of training? When there's just there's absolutely no reason to do it other than ego. You don't need to. You literally don't need to. Like now, now more than ever, um, you know. And even experienced lifters, you you know, you look at people who, you know, you again keep talking about like minimal dose, and like that, that doesn't mean, you know, you're not working hard or you're not doing anything, but it's the minimal dose required to 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 mm. continue to progress. And you look, at, you look at experienced lifters, and like you know, you don't always have to be or don't often have to be you know, around your sort of nine RPEs, you know, plus it's, you know, if you're, if you're programming smart, then. And, and, a lot of stuff, maximum work, it's a lot of skill exactly. work, like you say. Skill mm. development, you know, you know, say, you, you know, if you're coming back in and, you know, just put the ego on, you know, if you're coming back in as a moderate to advanced, you know, um, gym goer, um, and you've not had access to kit and you're, you know, you're thinking, you know, the ego's thinking, right, crikey, I can't be seen to be, you know, squatting a, a you know a plate each side. You know, just sw- swallow the pride a little bit. Develop the you know develop the technique, and nobody's going to judge you anyway because you know it's been a it's not that kind of place. It's been yeah. well, it's not well. MSC's not that kind of place, but like it's but but also like everyone's been in that same boat in the last year where like mm-hmm. they haven't had access to what they would have wanted. Um, so you know, use it as a chance to develop skill and you know get better and just enjoy the opportunity to progressively overload if you're if you're a power lifter and you're having to work at a very you know very moderate volume and very low to moderate intensity and that's still making you a bit sore in between sessions use that as an opportunity to lower your your frequency a bit with with your mm-hmm. powerlifting training and dare I say it, do a bit of aerobic work on the, on the whoa, side. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have used powerlifters as an example there, but like, you know, that, and I'm saying powerlifter, I mean, you know, it's just anyone who's doing general strength training, mm. to be honest, um, is use, use the opportunity to think, right, okay, let's, let, let's play the long game here. Let's, you know, like say moderate to low frequency, intensity, volume. Let's use the gaps in between to, you know, to, you know, to, to build that, 
aerobic base perhaps so the work capacity is better as i build up my my volume with with my weights um let's get some steps in let's let's improve body composition with my nutrition etc etc so i think you just gotta um you know people are just gonna have to be you're gonna have to swallow some ego swallow some pride build up nice and slowly just enjoy the fact that you're back in the gym enjoy the fact that you're gonna get some beginner gains look to you know other um you know use it as an opportunity to develop you know other areas to develop skills etc etc um I'm, I'm just i'm just going to pull it pull it back slightly actually to you know we're talking about that entry entry point mm. and like you know where am i where i need to you know where do i start off i'm, I'm going to do a shameless plug of the uh, of the barbell club here because uh, i think it's i think it's really relevant and the you know the massive advantage that people coming you know coming back to msc and coming back to the barbell club is going to be is that individual you know in individualization and personal coaching aspect of monitoring the program monitoring the the loads and intensities that we do uh, so with the barbell club obviously we're you know you get assigned a, a, a personal coach who's you know let's say doing those things you know in touch with you during the week um you know through through messaging getting feedback forms you know feedback questionnaires of how we're feeling uh prescribing you know loads and um you know, and, and adapting exercise selection and obviously going straight in the group. But that individualization um, is going to be really important because you're going to have, you know, maybe, you know, one of our guys is going to have had access to um, maybe some of the kit we lent out, like, the, you know, a barbell, a squat stand and enough plates to continue, you know, to continue mm. to um, work at near maximum capacity with their, their squat or their deadlift. Um, so them coming back in rather than just that blanket of like, right, everybody's doing two sets of six, uh, you know, five RPE is actually like, you know, you've got that personal coach there to say, right, Andrew, you've, you've been squatting all the way through. Obviously, you know, we can, we can be hitting this instead or hitting that and a bit more aggressive or a bit more exactly or or pull it or pull it back a little bit so that's Mm -hmm. you know a little little plug for the barbell club there if you if you're interested uh kind of slide slide in our dms and get some details um so uh yeah i think that's that's interesting, mate. Look, mate, we've had a had a hell of a chat there. That's been that's been great. Um, let me have a look at my notes. What else have we got to go into? Let, let's talk a little bit. If you're happy to move on, yeah, from yeah. from from the from the gym, um, or not 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 move on from the gym, but just talk about a little bit more with your 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 outdoor uh, athletes being allowed to to return. Um, what what are the considerations needed for um, again, apologies for using it as an example. It's just easy for me to do it and a bit lazy. But you know, for for rugby guys, you know, we're we're back in in a couple of weeks, I think. And then you know, what what are the considerations to take in place there? I imagine it's very similar to the gym. Uh, again, like it's it's a question of managing your again, like it's a, it's a question of managing volume and intensity. I think the the variable that we have to consider when we start to talk about anything where you're talking about um, running-based sports, whether it is literally a question of someone distance running, whether it's a question of rugby players or footballers or netballers or hockey players or whatever it might be, the variable we have to consider is 
speed and velocity of movement. Um, because again, the, the higher the, the speed that you're traveling at or the more explosive the action you're performing, the faster the muscles have to contract, the greater the injury risk, you know, or the, the bigger the stress of those muscles are. The, big, the bigger the stress of those actions are on the body. Um, so again, as you know, you don't tear your hamstring walking, you tear your hamstring top end running or you know, hard change direction or hard deceleration. So, um, you know, if, if you're going back into a, a training program where like, everything's kind of small-sided games, everything's kind of quite short, small pitches, not a huge amount of top-end running, the biggest thing you can control, really, the biggest thing you should be looking to control is ultimately time on feet. Yeah. Um, the kind of, uh, the, the method of kind of working out workload of like RPE times minutes. There's a lot of value in that. I think like the, it's been kind of refuted a lot of in some evidence this year and some research this year. But like the biggest thing you can do if you're doing fairly consistent things, um, as far as like you know, consistent training drills and consistent structure of training, is just managing the amount of time that you train for and building that extensively. If you go straight back in, um, and as a as a rugby player, you're doing like full-sided games, you're doing 15 a side, and you're doing like two-hour sessions you're going to blow yourself out of the water. You're going to get blown out of the water by a coach that's just going to go whistle happy and trigger happy. And, um, you know, building up to a sensible amount of time on feet is the biggest thing you can do really um, to, to manage injury there. And again, if alongside that, you can progressively increase the size of the pitch so that you kind of, you're, you're taking care of the amount of opportunities there are to hit top speed. Um, then you're going to be kind of doing... When considering you've got infinite variables of different gameplay and, and team tactics and other players to worry about, if you're doing half an hour at a time in a relatively small pitch, you know, even if it's the most chaotic game in the world, there's only so much high speed running you can do in that. You can't open so, up. Yeah, you can't open yeah, exactly. up. Exactly. You physically can't because the constraints of the game are such that actually there's just not the opportunity to do so. Whereas, like you said, if you, if you go back in first day and it's seven on seven, full pitch, full speed, and um, the chances are you're going to be doing a lot of high-speed running. You're going to get a lot of people getting hit by snipers and dropping down the hamstrings and, and calves. Um, so again, like with the best will in the world, realistically, we've, we've been around rugby coaching enough to know that like, realistically, it's probably not going to be managed like this at, at a lot of clubs. Um, you know, yeah. You know, yeah, I think that's... You know, the, the, sorry, go on. Uh, but again, like if you go to a club where there's, there's someone... They're employed as an S&C coach or someone employed to do sports science and manage these kind of things. You've got a coach who listens to these kind of things. Then it's great because actually, like I said, chances are these things can be put in place. Um, in an ideal world, what you have is, like I said, a lot of technical, tactical stuff, a lot of kind of, um, you know, small-sided games in small pitches. You'd have a lot of like, technical drills. You'd have a lot of unit practice. Um, and then on the side, alongside that, you do really controlled top speed exposures. So it might be a question of like, you know, you do your team warm up. And this is something that we've talked about a lot and it's something you've been spending a load of time doing, isn't it? You know, if you can, outside of your rugby training, if once or twice a week you can do sprints where you hit top speed, that's the best thing you can do to actually make yourself faster as an athlete. But you can guarantee you're hitting top speed five times in one training session and you're doing that twice a week. And as soon as you go back to rugby, if you have to hit top speed three times in a game or in a training session, your body is accustomed to that. This idea of entry point and rate of progression, if you can do your own 
standalone speed training, whether it's on the track in the gym at MSC, whether it's up and down the road outside your house. Um, if you're hitting top speed regularly and you're maintaining a certain workload of that, then again, your entry point when you go back into rugby, um, your entry point of what you have to put yourself doing a rugby training session is going to be tolerable. You're going to be able to tolerate that because you've acquired a base level of, of tolerance to high-speed running. Um, whereas, again, the worst thing you can do is just say, right, okay, I'm in lockdown, so I can't play rugby. I'm just going to do press-ups and squats and sit-ups at home. Uh, and then when I go back, we're going to play full seven-on-seven, seven, full pitch. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're, you're in trouble because, again, you've done no running. Um, and then you've gone back into probably the most chaotic, most high-speed environment you can. Because again, like I say, one of the biggest tools, we spoke about it really early on, probably this time last year, since we're on a podcast, what you can do to maintain your fitness for rugby. We said get outside and sprint, because not only is it the most powerful, most explosive thing you can do that's going to keep you powerful and explosive, um, it's going to make sure your hamstrings can still tolerate the game of rugby. So the key thing there is, you know, to... Um sort of you know simplify and almost conclude not conclude but just simplify that a little bit for for, for rugby coaches going back is we've got almost like three key concepts there haven't we? we've got minutes mm-hmm. you know which we need to we need to consider um pitch size which which i think is a great shout um mm-hmm. and out of you know uh, training training at you know a home or in the gym you know stuff away yeah. from away from the rugby pitch there's three main considerations there like you know say it's, it's very similar to the the gym example of like i haven't done anything and then i'm going to go back in and do 10 sets of 10 it's probably not the smart probably not the smartest thing to do and it's the same from the the field point of view where it's like right i've not done any running or have been very minimal and then i'm going to go and do 120 minutes you know mm. of, of, of running around um the, the the pitch aspect in terms of like that that's a that's a great one i think for if there's any rugby coaches listening or um you know any any field coaches listening that's a that's a great simple way to re- reduce the risk of being exposed to those high forces you know there's not a lot that mm. you know produces as much force as a as a, as a as a sprint and the reality is the guys aren't going to be you know ready for that condition for that so rather than playing you know perhaps full width and even a half pitch or full full pitch you know touch because yeah, and this is a coach's responsibility, I think, because the the you know, like rugby players when we go back to play rugby, you know, we're like kids. It's like, give me the ball, give me the ball, wanna play, wanna play rugby. Yeah. You know, and it's, it'd be so easy to like you, you can't con you can't con you can't control that on an individual basis and say, oh, don't 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 sprint, don't do this, don't do that. It's like dealing with, with children really. So you've got to say, yeah. all right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna take that toy away from you. And I'm going to reduce the size of the pitch, you know, fill the numbers a little bit so that we're not, we're, we haven't got an opportunity, you know, mm. uh, and those simple rugby folk won't even realize that. They'll yeah. just be happy to get the ball in their okay. hands. So to take, take that away from them. Reducing the size of the pitch is a big one. And then as you say, outside of that, start building up, you know, tolerance to those kind of forces. Start with your heels, build into your flats, mm. you know, increase that speed gradually. And then you've got that nice, again, using the word synergy, that nice synergy together where as we increase the size of the pitch, we increase the minutes, we increase the opportunities to open up into top speeds. We're prepared for that because on the training, we've been doing our sprints 
and we've been doing our weight training as well to be strong enough to absorb that impact. Mm. And again, like I said, it, it, it comes back to the first point you made at the very start is where your, your injury management and your performance training is not, is not mutually exclusive. They're one and the same thing. Um, and again, it, it, it just comes down to exposing yourself as much as possible to the, to the demands of your arena. Like I said, whether it's an office worker who's too stiff to be able to sit in an office chair for eight days, or it's a rugby player that needs to operate sprinting. Like, um, you know, it's not a question of injury management requires stretching and foam rolling and performance training requires sprinting and Olympic weightlifting. It's one of the same thing. It's making sure you have a tolerance to the demand to the demands of your arena. Um, and that's just a question of, like I said, uh, too much too soon after too long, too long. Okay, great. Well, at this point now, if you're looking at getting back playing rugby in six weeks, you start sprinting now. Yeah. And again, you get twice a week, uh, twice a week, um, hit top speed regularly for the next six weeks. All of a sudden, like I said, it's not a shock to the system when you go back. We're good to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's changing the mindset, it's cha- changing the way of thinking to, to understanding that they are one and the same thing. You know, tra- training is injury management, injury management is just appropriate training. Um, you know, ha- how much you kind of mix those elements together and how you put that together is between you and your coach or, you know, whether it's an ST coach or sports scientist or someone you work with. Um, but yeah, it, it's one and the same thing. It's the same process. 100%, mate. 100%. Um... Any, anything to add there in uh, regards to return to field, return to sport? I think we've covered some good content. Well, like, right? I mean, that, that's a, that's a, a series of podcasts in itself, isn't it? You know, like I said, I mean, the, the same, whatever sport you're talking about, if you're talking about netball, you know, the, the same could be talked about in terms of like jump and land, the amount of ACLs and the amount of ankle sprains you see in netball because it's loads of essentially like landing on one foot, change of direction aggressively on and off one foot, pivoting on one foot, and rugby shoulders and necks, you know, managing the collision can be done exactly the same. You know, you can build up from one-on-one little wrestling drills in controlled situations to yeah. scrummaging eight on eight. <coughs> and again, netball players can start building up different jump and lands uh, technique. It's exactly the same thing as, right, okay, we we need to kind of break down our sport into, okay, where am I likely to get injured and how can I water that down and start doing it now so that by the time I do it in chaos with other people around me at full game speed in a few weeks' time, I've started to build the foundation. I'm prepared for that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, and again, it, it's, it's recognizing okay, where I'm most likely to get hurt and how can I kind of break that down into its constituent parts and, and start to build a tolerance for that. Um, it's not a question of, right, okay, if I'm a netball player, I'm probably going to roll my ankles, so I should probably start stretching my calves now. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a completely different process. I think it's like, you know, it, come, it comes back to like vertical integration when we're training for, for sports as well, doesn't it? It's like, you know, you're going to get some guys going back now into the gym and it's like, right, just going to do hypertrophy work, just going to build some, build some mass. And it's like, that's cool. And that's like, you know, that's arguably going to be a primary objective. But alongside that, don't be afraid to sort of expose yourself once a week, even, you know, twice a week, yeah. you know, probably a bit better to doing some, some fast running, some to, doing, to, movement. to doing some sprints. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, if the, if the, if the volume and frequency is low enough, it's, uh, 
you know, and uh, you know, even with aerobic work, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin your gains. Don't worry. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it, you know, it's that vertical integration model of like train everything all the time, but just um, prioritize certain components, certain aspects in terms of your intensity, your frequency, your volume. So as I say, like, okay, we're not, you know, we're not playing a game potentially till September. So you might think, right, well, I don't need to be sprinting at top speeds now. And it's like, well, actually, you know, okay, that's not a primary objective and it's a fantastic opportunity to build some muscle mass, um, you know, build some tissue tolerance, do some hypertrophy work. And you're absolutely correct in, you know, you'd be absolutely correct in presuming that. But don't be afraid to do a little bit, the minimal dosing you can without mm. interfering with that stuff of starting to get your sprints in, um, starting to do a bit of aerobic work, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like, you know, during this period, you could have had, you know, all the time off from doing aerobic work and not, and, and not done any. But what you would have been better off doing is like, you know, at least once a week. You know, maybe even if, it's just, even if you're just using it as a recovery tool as opposed to exactly. a training objective. Exactly, real, real low level. You know, bit of bit of bit of blue and green zone. Um, the old blue zone. The old game. Shout spe- out to Gabe. The old game special. Um, you know, don't you dare go above that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, just at least once a week, you know, you're exposing yourself to, um, you know, to, to that stimulus, developing the aerobic system at the lowest minimal dosage we can, and also getting you know, some, some contacts in, you know, some foot contacts mm. on the floor and actually conditioning the, the joints and the tissue to, to, to that stress. So when you, when you go back to rugby, it's like or whatever sport it is, you, you've done some running, you've done some sprinting, mm. you're, good, you're good to go. So always start these things as early as you can, you know, even if, if maybe if COVID wasn't a thing, like in terms of contact and wrestling, that's maybe something you'd want to start actually as early as possible. That doesn't mean full bosh. Yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't mean full bosh. But if you can, when when you're allowed to, um, you know, get a partner and start doing some, you know, moderate intensity wrestling drills, getting used to grappling, getting used to ripping, mm. you know, getting some shoulder but contacts even, in. Even uh, now, that a low dosage, even, a low dosage, ready to build up for July or August mm. where it's like, right, we've got to go full Biff here before we get back into, you know, b- before we get into a game. So start these things as early as you can, even at minimal dosage, I think is the key. Even now, like I know you're saying COVID makes that kind of stuff quite tough, but if you, if you kind of say, right, how can I wrestle and grapple without the partner? Like forward rolls, bear crawls, you know, mm. learning to absorb force all on the floor and roll. Yes, you've got yeah. to add in the weight of someone else afterwards, but, if you can do carries, if you can use like zercher loaded stuff, if you've got a barbell, if you've got weights at home, you know, zercher loaded stuff, carries, bear crawls, falls, rolls, tumbling, all that kind of stuff. It's as close you're going to get to sim, sim, um, simulating like wrestling and falling without actually having a partner to do it with. Yeah. Um, and then, like I say, it kind of it just prepares the tissue. So you just, you're still working that aspect. So we're like, so just watering it down to the point where you're developing those qualities now without yeah. actually having to play rugby. Um, and again, I think that's, 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 that in essence is, you know, we get into nuts and bolts of what is good strength and conditioning, what is good rehab and injury management. It's working out, okay, what are the physical qualities required to perform well and tolerate this sport? And how can I kind of water them down and, and start to train them now? Yes. Um, it's understanding what the kind of the, the constituent parts of the sport are 
and knowing how to, to kind of build up, build those up every time. Um, but again, that that's just that that is literally the process of good strength and conditioning, isn't it? That's just um, that is what S and C is in a nutshell. People often think, well, strength and conditioning is a type of exercise class, or strength and conditioning is anything that involves CrossFit or Olympic weightlifting. Well, no, it's okay. What is the sport? What are the demands? Where am I most likely to get hurt? And how can I start to build the body up to tolerate these? And and, and, and again, like you said, start off at the appropriate level for this athlete. Work out where they are now, what their endpoint is, and work out how I get them from A to B as quickly and efficiently and effectively as possible. Yeah, um, that, that is strength and conditioning. Um, that yeah. is good injury management, and it is the same thing. Hundred percent, hundred percent could be uh, could be a, a, a potentially a gap in the market there, mate, for some uh, <laughs> educational courses in the in the future, some uh, MSC, SNC uh, educational courses, which we've been asked for before, but like rather than you know right, we're going to spend two days on learning how to Olympic lift. It's like, well, cool. Like, that's great. But like you say, that, you know. Right, what, needs analysis. What, yeah. yeah, exactly. What, what, you, what you've described there is, S, is S&C, isn't it? Is identifying the individual, identifying the desired outcomes and being able to kind of individualize everything really, isn't it? And like... Mm you know, working, working from there, exactly what you've, exactly what you've just said, really, rather than like an exercise or, you know, a a particular session or something like that. One, one session for somebody is not necessarily going to be good for, you know, for, for somebody else. Uh, You know, Mm. a limited lift variation is good for someone, but not good for someone else. So the uh, the context, isn't it? It's context. Context. Where does that fit? Where does that fit in that journey of taking this person to the point where they can play rugby effectively at the level they want to? Where context, they can right. yeah. play netball. Yeah, exactly. It's context yeah. like that. Uh, uh, right, just looking at a gym program and so like, well, great. That could be a great program for someone, an absolute possible cost for someone else. Yeah. You could say the devil's in the details. Well, the devil's in the details, right? You know? Uh, yeah, so that's a look. There's some sound bites coming out of this today. Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Um, fantastic, mate. I think that's. You, I'm just pausing there because you just give me an idea of, uh, ed, like, I say, educational courses is just so like, right. This is how you do a leg extension, a leg press. This is how you do an Olympic lift, and it's like it's not, you know, it's not S and C, is it? Um, but uh, fantastic, mate. I think uh, I think we can we can wrap it up there, mate. It's been a hell of a hell of a chat. I've really, I've really, I've really enjoyed that um and um you know hopefully our hopefully our listeners have uh, enjoyed that too and, and taken taken something away from it so i guess in in conclusion mate we're looking at you know no you know identifying your your entry point um you know looking at where you want to be long term and then just working at the minimal dosage possible to gradually get there put part of the ego aside and enjoy those beginner gains again Slow and steady. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> Christ, I'm going to stop this there. That's it. We've had it. Rome wasn't built in a day. The man, the man needs a coffee. Um, <laughs> awesome, mate. Awesome. Um, fantastic. Anything, anything to conclude with there, mate, or we can wrap it up. I think his internet's gone. I think his internet's gone. I'm here. I'm still here. You're here. Oh. Uh, anything, anything, anything to sort of add there or conclude, mate? Or roll, roll on top of April. 
roll on 12th of April. We'll be roll ready. On 12th of April. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Max. And I uh, hope you've all enjoyed that podcast, guys. Um, I think that's a real must listen to, uh, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're part of a sports team, you know, get, get your coaches to have a, have a listen to this one. Uh, definitely. If you've got any friends that, you know, they're buzzing to get back in the gym, that's, that's wonderful. That's a brilliant thing that they're excited. We're excited too. But just maybe get them to listen to this to, you know, just minimise that, that injury risk and just be a little bit careful when you go back. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you soon. Cheers.